we're back with the pageantry and the... I guess this is the opening ceremonies for this episode, which is really just a letdown for you listening because it's just me talking. But I am co-host Mike One, co-host also Mike in a minute. This is Mike, Mike, and Oscar. And one of the things that COVID-19 has kind of taken away uh, from the entertainment world over this summer, one of the things for this episode is the Olympic Games are not going to be featured this summer, the Summer Olympic Games. And we here at Mike, Mike, and Oscar wanted to find some way to incorporate the Olympic Games into the Oscars paradigm and the Oscars information that we bring to you. So we came up with the Oscars Olympics, and we're hoping that this is going to combine some aspects of some retrospectives that we love doing, hoping to combine some aspects of some of the top five episodes that we've enjoyed doing and you guys have enjoyed listening to. Uh, So we are putting forth today the Oscar Olympic Games for the first time ever, and also Mike is going to tell you more about them. Yeah, the Oscar Olympics. I don't know if we should go plural at the end of Oscar or not plural. I think we had a seventeen back and you know seventeen text message back and forth on this, <laughs> and we still are at odds. But uh, I am for the non-plural because we're Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Mike is apparently for the plural still, folks. So immediately, <laughs> immediately we disagree, and you know this is good for the show though. It's good radio. Right. Now, exactly. The Oscar Olympics is basically a power ranking show of the last four years of the last four Oscar winners per category we are doing 2019 going back to 2016 the last olympiad which is actually the 23rd olympiad because if you divide 92 by 4 you get 23 so that is an exact we're we're at the you know crossroads where we can do an olympic games for the oscars so this worked out perfectly in my math nerd brain my simple computation (laughs) math nerd brain because we can take the last four years of winners we can keep going back uh if we like this series but it the rules are simple guys we are going to hand out gold silver and bronze medals to our top three and one is left out one does not medal and I did my best to make that one parasite every time. Now, uh, look, a couple caveats here with what we're going to do. We're really going to try to focus on the past four winners and not about all the other noms and all the other snobs that were involved in those. However, uh, we are us, and there's no stopping that in some cases, and some wounds just never heal, as you just heard me talk about Parasite right off the top here. So some of that stuff is going to inevitably come up. Part of the fun in this is to show you that you can kind of also do this at home as well. So... Obviously, we want to know your Oscar Olympics medalists for all of these categories that we are about to talk about here. Tally up your medals like we're going to do at the end of this episode. And hopefully this is going to spur some fun debate. And hopefully you guys give us something that we can uh, chew on and digest. And uh, if you send us something interesting, we certainly will read it out on air and give you props uh, for it. So I guess without further ado, just to get some landscaping and lay of the landing done, we have 19 categories that we are going to run through. Obviously, we're not going to include the shorts because that would be all one-off winners anyway. Uh, We do include international feature, uh, even though a lot of those are one-offs. There's one movie in particular that's not. It was a multi-time winner. We'll talk about that. Uh, But those are the categories that we will be focusing on. So, Michael, get the ball rolling here with our first category. Yeah, best visual effects because it's at the bottom of every Wikipedia entry on the Oscars. (laughs) So I went bottom to top is what I did. But this is one of 19 categories like you said and i'm just going to start right in with my top four four to one the did not meddler 
Now I got to come up with a better. Yeah, that's a terrible that. name. That's terrible. <laughs> it's 1917 for me because you know one shot in that movie, it looked a little green screeny, and it you know completely bounced it out of my top four. So my bronze medal is going to go to First Man. I thought a little better practical effects. I thought they were actually in space. I loved the animals in Jungle Book. I thought they looked real. And I give them a lot of props. I, it was a bit of a novelty pick there in mm-hmm. uh, 2016. And you love that source property. I kind of love that source property. I love it less lately with all the stories that have come out. But for me, my gold medalist is Blade Runner 2049 from 2017. I just was blown away by all of the production values in that film. It's going to get high points today somehow. Not just for the you know visual effects here. It's going to get high points overall because it's getting gold medals for how good some of these production values were. And Blade Runner 2049 is also one of the more heralded films amongst the the critics and film Twitter and all that, and they think it should have been. It, it kind of got the Mad Max uh, Fury Road treatment. They thought yeah. it should have won more and done better and blah, blah, blah. Uh, just for you, dear listeners, so you can see how this is going, we were dealing with those four winners, and that's what Mike ranked. I have The Jungle Book as my did not medal. The Jungle Book I haven't seen, so it's kind of unfair, but I did go back for each four of these films, the 2019 through 2016 winner, and I watched little shorts and little behind the scenes about how they did uh, do the visual effects. I still think it was the the fourth out of these four winners. Yeah. Uh, 1917 is my bronze. First Man, I you know how I feel about that. It comes up pretty much every episode still, uh, even like two years after the fact. That was my silver, and Blade Runner 2049 is the gold because I, I like you. I think it's just head and shoulders amongst anything it's maybe one of the best vfx movies ever well you're you're all gosling in this category and i get yes, it yes but i think if you and watch in my heart and mind yeah if you watch behind the scenes stuff about these movies you're gonna go crazy over 1917 and i probably would have done the same thing if i just watch i mean watch before we reviewed the movie i mean all those uh youtube videos i mean they have half hour video after half hour video on the guys running through the battles with the cameras the cameras go onto the uh the cords and the cords fly across the battlefield my goodness they were able to pull off some stuff with the visual effects there at 1917 all right so first category in the books there michael you are going to get us started now with best film editing so best film editing of the last four oscar winners my did not medal is hacksaw ridge i had trouble with this category hacksaw ridge was quite a bit higher to start uh Mm -hmm. because i give a lot of deference to war movies when it comes to film editing but uh i i did not like that movie so i bumped it down afterwards and after thinking about it and I, i the first hour of it is like a bad snl parody it is a bad SNL parody, but the last hour of it is all battle, I would say. Yes. You picked Bohemian Rhapsody as your bronze, okay? Yeah. And you picked it for the last 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. All right, so. It's I just, mean, I mean, it's it, all it is is against Hacksaw Ridge. I remember <laughs> the the disdain I had for the first hour of Hacksaw Ridge and yeah. the performances in that, and it's unfair, and I did... As much bad as there is to say about Bo Rap, I did really appreciate the final 20 minutes, and I think that did take a, a deft hand in editing, even though there's a lot of subpar editing you could probably say throughout that movie. Uh, but that's my bronze. Ford v. Ferrari goes up to my silver, and Dunkirk, I think unquestionably, is the gold. So I have the same top two as you. Ford v. Ferrari, there are just some awesome sequences in that. And it's a, it's not the kind of race that really plays well for you know fast edits and they they made it work dunkirk just has some sequences that blow you away Mm -hmm. and the whole you know 
ramping up of the momentum of that movie with the score you know again production values with with dunkirk just like blade runner 2049 at masterpiece levels so yeah the question really is you know those bottom two i have hacksaw ridge as my bronze i think they did some war movie things in that last hour that i liked more than i uh that that i liked the last 15 minutes of bo rap bo rap to me had some awful edits in there and the lows of bo rap I just gotta, I gotta, you know, knock it out. Plus, I wanna, I wanna put that in the did not metal category for many of these because I really <laughs> dislike that movie. Yeah, that's a feeling that's gonna pervade my thought process as we go on here too. But which of those two movies did you enjoy less, Hacksaw Ridge or Bohemian Rhapsody? Well, I'll tell you this. I mean, both have great finales, and I love the cards at the end. You know, going through the the real life history of of the heroes of Hacksaw Ridge, um, Bo Rap. Is, is a lot of fun it's probably more fun and the other one just makes you feel a little bit patriotic i know of late we haven't wanted to feel patriotic we've kind of been <laughs> aggravated with politics in general so i'm going to give the slight edge to Bo rap there in terms of you know just a feel-good movie yeah but you know hacksaw ridge i, I had a higher grade on it to be to be entirely honest with you here yeah the feel-good movie where the protagonist dies of aids all right number three michael <laughs> Just, we're not going to give each other an inch in this episode, this, apparently. <laughs> All right, best costume design. The did not meddler for me is Fantastic Beefs because <laughs> as good as some of the costumes are, they're better, better in Little Women, which is my bronze winner. And as good as the costumes are in Fantastic Beefs, that title is something I can't say and is absurd. But as good as it goes down in MML lore. But as good as the costumes are in Fantastic Beeps, some of the costumes are preposterous. They look like, you know, X-Men costumes. So I, I can't really give it the uh, the nod into the best of the last uh, four years categories here. Black Panther is my silver medal winner. I think, uh, I just think it's so unique. It's built out of whole cloth. It's paying attention to all of history. It's really strong. But Mike, you know my bias. Mark Bridges <laughs> from Phantom Thread. I mean, he just made me fashion conscious for the first time in my entire life. So I've never been that way before. I've never really looked in mirrors. I've never really paid attention to what I was taking out of my uh, closets. I I just wasn't outfit conscious. And that movie with Daniel Day-Lewis and all the edits there. But, I mean, some of those costumes, some of those dresses blew me away. Phantom Thread's my gold. It's a matter of time before you start showing up to recordings in just three-piece suits and, like, slick back hair and all the most dapper uh, dreads and attires. Because, yeah, you have been in love with the uh, not only that movie, but the attire within it for a while. So I don't think that's really surprising to hear. I watched that movie seven times yeah. when yeah, it you, came out. You were you were in on it. You really did like it. And you liked going, and you saw it all in theaters, too, right? All in theaters, every yeah. night, because you kept pushing off the review. I've told this story 17 <laughs> times on this podcast, but my obsession for that movie was real. I think what's interesting in the first three categories is, like, we have, we saw The Jungle Book a little differently, but thus far, and it happens often, for the past four winners, there's, we agree, 
where they should be placed in terms of the hierarchy, like one and two we kind of agree with, and three and four we kind of agree with, even though we might interchange what is one versus what is two, and what is three versus what is four, because I have a similar top four. My gold is Black Panther, it was your silver. My silver is Phantom Thread, it was your gold. My bronze is Fantastic Beast, it was your did not metal, and my did not metal is Little Women, which was your bronze. So which costume in Black Panther did that for you? Because there's a lot to choose from. Or was it, which sequence? Was it the waterfall sequence? Was it something at the end when everybody had their battle attire on? Which set of costumes did you love most? It's it's not one set of costumes for me. It's just, I think they're more, I, I know it's subjective, but the costumes and the intricacies of like the detailing and knowing what they mean and how historically representative they are based on all this research that Ruthie Carter and company did and and they've talked about I, it just it's more memorable to me than what was put on screen in Phantom Thread and that's all it really came down to for me I think what it comes down to for the each of us is that I'm playing with Barbies and you're playing with action figures <laughs> in this scenario <laughs> even with your other pick Fantastic Beefs getting the nod at uh, at your bronze but all right best costume design is in the books let's move on to best makeup and hairstyling and essentially mike you're gonna pick the fat guys here yeah yeah i'm gonna pick the fat guys i'm i'm one one in step with them uh my did not meddle is suicide squad my bronze is bombshell and this was a tough category because i have a lot of respect for bombshell but the way I broke it down in my head was if you make someone look like Elizabeth Banks, that's probably less impressive than making them actually look like with Winston Churchill or uh, Vice President Cheney. So Darkest Hour is my silver and Vice because of basically because of what Christian Bale does staring into the camera at the very end of that movie. Nedges out Winston Churchill's Darkest Hour. Vice is my gold. So I had issues with the Darkest Hour makeup. I really did. From yeah, the, from you've the, said it from from the start. From that award season. I yeah. thought his jowls, the lower half of his face, did not move. And I didn't see any grotesque lines or, you know, bald caps or anything like that. But I just had issues with him putting forth his performance through that, you know, fat suit, essentially. But doesn't something feel inherently wrong? We're talking about the Oscar Olympics. The Olympics themselves are the best of the best. The Oscars are the best of the best. So Oscar Olympics is the best of the best of the best. And yet you're putting Suicide Squad above Darkest Hour. Doesn't that feel wrong? I believed that was a reptile man. I believed that was a fireman. I believed those things. I did not believe that was Winston Churchill. I could tell that was Gary Oldman playing Winston Churchill. The thing about Vice was I eventually believed it while watching that movie that this was, you know, Dick Cheney. I, I mean, I bought... Amongst others, it. I think. But yeah, I get what you're saying. I bought that uh, Megan Kelly was in bombshell and i forgot that Charlize theron was was in that movie when you get sw swept up in the story so for me yes i believe in crocodile people my bronze <laughs> goes to suicide squad vice got my silver bombshell gets my gold because of how much she looked like megan H kelly and i guess i'm going for the subtlety there was the it more her look or was it also did you give more credence to Charlize theron's ability to mimic the facial expressions, right. the tone, my God, her voice was exactly like Megan Kelly. You know what? I forgot what put it over the top. The real comparison point for me between Bombshell and Vice in terms of makeup was Bombshell also got the fat old guy makeup right with the <laughs> John Lithgow character yes, making him. So they did that plus 
they got the Megyn Kelly makeup, you know, extraordinarily right. correct. But more importantly than that, they got the fat guy, which I just think is important that all of you listeners understand where our priorities collectively stand. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Mike, best cinematography. I guess I'll start on this one. And I'm surprised to say that La La Land does not meddle here because I love the look of La La Land. Some of those shots are gorgeous, but we both have it in the did not meddle section uh, shockingly, because the last four years of cinematography has been truly tremendous. Yeah, this was a really tough category with these four I, winners. I think I am remembering some of the making of footage. So my bronze is 1917. You know, all the gaffers getting medals here. That the it's not just the uh, Roger Deakins. He better you know buy medals for his entire set of gaffers who are dressed up in costume. But I think you even give them more credit. My silver is Roma. There are some shots I'll never forget, like that spaceman kid, the kid in a spaceman suit walking yeah. through the woods. I mean, the shot where he pans down into the riot from the uh, the store. It was great. Some some shots you will just never forget. The naked guy swinging his penis. The naked in the guy swinging his penis. <laughs> One hell of a job in terms of cinematography there from Coron. Uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine though. I just, you know, those those shots will stay with me. You know, those shots are on Twitter, so they don't even have to stay with me. Every day on film Twitter, it's like I'm seeing a shot from Blade Runner 2049 with the desert city, with, you know, the, the, the oranges of that, with the, uh, the, the, oh, my God. Some of those harken back to the original, uh, and you get a lot of nostalgia with the Blade Runner sequel, but uh, there's just one sequence after another that just i i'd never seen anything like it i've never seen the future look so real i am a sci-fi junkie blade runner gets my gold for cinematography yeah you talking pretty much my language and how i rank this as well i kind of went with what's the most memorable shots over the last four years of these movies for me which one does sticks out most for me maybe it's recency bias but my gold is 1917 because right now that towering inferno of that city where our, our protagonist is like taking the corner and he sees that burning in the middle of the night that's my that's the most memorable shot the blade yeah. runner shot of the uh the not only the desert city but the jared leto water tank whatever that was <laughs> palace that Goo he sits palace. in in the middle of yeah that's <laughs> number two uh the shots not only of the riots but also that that famous one that the title card is on the beach basically that's why it's sitting on, on netflix showing right now for roma that's my number three and la la land as beautiful as it was i think it's it struggles most in having the the biggest most memorable statement shot i guess it would be of the planetarium but there's not really one shot from that it's more of the whole sequence that's memorable so uh you can say that's cheap but that's why la la land was my did not meddle uh bronze roma blade runner silver gold 1917 for me uh, i uh i think la la land i just rewatched it there's one sequence where they're dancing in front of the you know uh, light pole the uh, lamppost yeah the i lamp mean post. i guess that's the other one i was thinking of but is that going to be more memorable but and, to uh, me, I saw a fake background when I saw that. Oh, and well, there you go. Yeah. So that's like points off, as beautiful as the rest of it is. So that, that's interesting that we have, you know, our, your three is my one and vice versa for cinematography. But the three, just, you know, all timers. Yeah, it's a tough. It, well, that was a very tough category. Uh, production design, a little easier for me. My did not medal was The Shape of Water. My bronze was Black Panther. That was tough, but I had to give La La Land. I think, like I said, the La La Land sequence 
that's more memorable to me from that movie, and that has a lot to do with those production designs and those sets being built. So that's why La La Land got my silver there. But once upon a time in Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino shut down Hollywood Boulevard for four nights. So he wins. So you like the two that uh, basically made Hollywood... I'm a sucker for old Hollywood. I yeah, am a member of the Hollywood. Academy in that. In the, yeah, I'm a sucker for old Hollywood. So yeah, that that is very nostalgic. Or I mean, for us, it's like wish fulfillment at this stage because we're right. in Connecticut. For exactly. Us, we That's know. exactly what it is. <laughs> anyway, La La Land gets my bronze uh, after Shape of Water. Also gets my Do Not Medal. That's a tough call. I think the Shape of Water has some gorgeous sets. You know, and I agree. There's some iconic callback sets too to the you know creature from the Black Lagoon, etc. I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Black Panther, it's like apples and oranges. I want MCU movies to get more credit in the production value categories. I love what Tarantino did. I know you know it was just a feat that hasn't been done in the past, so I get why you picked it there. You've raved about it before. But to me, to create something from whole cloth the way the Black Panther folks did, Hannah Beachler and Jay Hart, as production designers, I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen the MCU really kind of create its own... Uh, well, I don't remember if they have had created these spin-off worlds as well as this one. I mean, we get the globe-hopping sci-fi movies like Guardians of the Galaxy, but this is you know, a real lived-in, Lord of the Rings-style uh, fantasy world that they pulled off and made believable from start to finish. And it's supposed to be real. You know, I mean, it's 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 a country in Africa is Wakanda. It's supposed to be something that's part of this planet and this globe. And yeah, I, I you got that sense too. I agree. It it looks spectacular. It was tough for me to put it at three, but again, I just I gave deference. I, what I what I appreciate and what I remember more about Black Panther was the costume design. What I appreciate and remember more about La La Land was the sequences and the sets. And I don't think anything can touch what Tarantino did. Yeah, I get your rationale. I mean, you you know yelled it for. Months, it's bias, right? It's it's absolutely bias. I mean, every, all of this is obviously, but it's like I don't. There's not a lot of chances for me to to put Once Upon a Time in Hollywood on a pedestal, and I'm going to. There's chances for you to put Parasite on a pedestal. You're going to. I mean, it's it's what it's going to come down to. I think we did. I think we did take those opportunities, yeah. and uh, it's going to matter at the end when we tally <laughs> it all up. All right, best original song. We both have the same four. Michael Rocket Man is our did not medal. It is a it's a fine song. You know, between Elton John and uh, Bernie Taupin, I mean, the fact that they got to, you know, hit the stage is reward enough. They don't need any more medals at this <laughs> point. But it's it's tough to if you're going to make a biopic about Elton John, that song you make for that movie is not going to be the most memorable song from that. Not movie. even close. It's not going to be the 20th. <laughs> right. Exactly. So I think that goes against it in some weird backwards thinking kind of way. If you played. Uh, snippets from 20 Elton John songs that are not like the hits and told me I had to figure out which one was I'm not right. I'm gonna love me again I wouldn't be able to find same it same no way exactly good it's like picking a number between well, 1 and 20 so exactly City of thing. Stars is my number 3 as it is for you it's our bronze medalist Coco's our number 2 A Star is Born of course with Shallow is our number 1 that was the banger of all time it's probably you know in the top 3 best original songs ever yeah i think it's one of the one of the three or five best original songs ever made but the challenge for this for me was two or three what do i put two what do i put three how tough was that for you 
No, it wasn't tough because I no? loved okay. Remember Me. You remember when we reviewed the 2017 Best Original Song category? I had that above the uh, you know Greatest Showman song. Yeah. What was this I was is angry. Me? This is me. I was angry. You had This Is Me ahead of that. So yeah. I'm, I'm actually surprised you went with Coco at number two because of that you know, long-standing grudge. <laughs> I try to be unbiased when I can. My bias does poke its head out in other ways this episode. All right, Mike. Well, let's head into best original score. What is your uh, did not medal? My did not medal, which was my silver before I went back and rearranged this category, too, because this one was really tough for me, is Alexander Desplat's Shape of Water score, which yeah. is really, really good. I, this is, is another one. I went back and I re-listened to all of these. Mm-hmm. I think if you go back and listen to them, and if you're fresh off listening to them, I think there's more reason to like Desplat's, but it's just not as memorable for some reason, if that makes sense. And that's kind of what I defaulted back to. Like, it's not as memorable as what Gorenson did for Black Panther or what Justin Hurwitz did for La La Land. And that's why I ended up putting Black Panther with the bronze, La La Land, and silver. I think uh, maybe it's recency bias, but I truly do believe what Hilder Guanadatir did for Joker is going to be maybe the most memorable score uh, for years to come because 2019 and I said this a bunch during the years we were covering it was like an all-timer year for best original score and that one was the best of the best original scores from that year so gold was kind of easy for me but the silver bronze did not medal uh, they changed a couple times for me what did you have so I approached this category slightly different I wanted to see which of these scores I could remember and like sing to myself and the only one I really couldn't was The Shape of Water so I had to re-listen right. to that and you're right it's very pleasant it's very good it's enjoyable but I rem- I can remember the Black Panther score forever mm-hmm. and there's two versions of it which is cool like they're flying into Wakanda you get a version and then you know the all the action music I, 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 I love that score the problem is Black Panther's going against two all-time and an historic win for Guanadatir. So Black Panther's got my bronze right now for Garanson. The silver and gold is where I had the, the tough decision because I'm so white. And <laughs> I sing along with the La La Land and have been humming that for years. So La La Land from Justin Hurwitz gets my nod for the gold. Joker gets a silver. Also, the Joker score, it's kind of hard to listen to. Yeah, you know, just for fun because it's not fun. It's a kind of soul crushing. It, it is works. not fun. <laughs> it works so gosh darn well in that movie. So that's where I'm at. I do think we both suck as music critics, but we love to <laughs> moonlight as them because it's fun and we love music. But just take that category. The last two really were grains of salt. Yeah, we like to uh, play them on TV sometimes, even that's though right. our talent may not be matching up to it. Best documentary feature, Michael. Yeah, speaking of we don't know what fuck all we're talking about, <laughs> this category has just puzzled me for years because the best movie is just never nominated usually. Mm-hmm. And, you know, th- th- it, my, my did not medal is an easy one, Icarus. I didn't like Icarus at all. I, like, it just bothered me. I could barely pay attention to it. It's, two, it's a tale of two kind of movies, two kind of stories that was annoying to me. So maybe I got to rewatch Icarus, but that was an easy ch- uh, choice for me. You have the same choice there. Yeah, Icarus is my, is my did not medal. We're actually the same with the bronze, too. American Factory, it's kind of a vegetables movie where it's good for you, it's nutritious, it's a little harder to consume, but it, it, it's really well made. Yeah, our silver and gold is where we have to make uh, decisions. OJ Made in America, to me, is a TV series. It is. And I don't disagree. I, I agree with the rule. Free Solo 
as a theatrical movie-going experience knocked me on my ass. Literally, I mean, I was one of only four people in a tiny theater watching it. I was almost upside down, and the people behind me were laughing at how much I was groaning, and I couldn't help myself. <laughs> so that was just such a unique movie-going experience, and I guess in the place we are now where we can't, you know, go to the movies. At least you and I can't in Connecticut right now. So Free Solo gets my gold. OJ Made in America. I, I'm watching too many TV series, especially docu-series these days. OJ Made in America gets my silver. Yeah, OJ Made in America, there was just, it was very good for longer. And all of the longness of it was still very good, I thought. And that's, it's unfair. And that's why they changed the category rules. But that's, I mean, the quantity of it was quality. And it was also responsible for an Academy rule change because of it because of it being so unfair. So that, to me, put it at number one. Well, I'm just watching too many docuseries these days. It's just, <laughs> I, you know, and I miss that. I miss that rush of adrenaline that Free Solo gave me in a movie theater. And, I, and maybe I'm just, you know, nostalgic for that at this point. Mike, best international feature category. This is a loaded <laughs> four. I mean, this, these are four excellent films. This was really difficult to pick. And we've had all-timers in terms of, you know, nomination counts, in terms of Oscar wins at the top of this category. So wh what do you have leading into it? Yeah, Parasite's lucky I haven't seen The Salesman. <laughs> so I put The Salesman as my did not, did not medal. Parasite is my bronze. A Fantastic Woman is silver. Roma is my gold. I'm going to stand by that and plant my flag firmly into this ground. So The Salesman's a tough omission because I, I do think it's a, a better than average Best International Film winner. I, I really love that movie. A Fantastic Woman and Roma. Like, how do you choose? I mean, they're... They're so different. A fantastic woman hit you in the feels so hard for so long in that movie. Uh, I, I thought it's ex excellent. I think Sebastian Lelio is one of my favorite you know, directors working today. Unfortunately, that gets my bronze because Roma is just such a monstrous contender. That I mean, we analyzed the crap out of Roma you know, a couple years back in 2018. That gets my silver. Parasite is a film that I don't share your thoughts on at all. <laughs> I want people out there to know that even though our Twitter handle tweets out more anti-parasite stuff because you control it more often than I do, you stand MMO, by MMO does not oh. hate Parasite. <laughs> oh. Or at least MO could or M blank O. I don't know how to fix this. Parasite is my gold medal winner for the best international film category. So Parasite wasn't even a consideration to lose to Roma for you here? No, I, I don't. Th I don't think Jesus it's close. Christ. I don't think it's quite close because I have like a, a high A minus for Parasite and I have a, a high B plus for Roma. Moving on, <laughs> best animated feature here. All right, I have a situation that I should rectify because I forgot to put Zootopia in our animal movies award yes show. and here's why i didn't love zootopia i'm one of the only people really? on the planet that didn't love it to the level of some pixar movies i guess you'd say or to the level of a spider-man into the spider-verse that i gave in you know, zootopia a does a better eight. job of doing what parasite did than parasite does that is the most inane <laughs> no that is a thousand percent accurate <laughs> Let's just argue 10 rounds about Zootopia versus Parasite and never do this again. No, I think, 
think Zootopia, like the best international film category, animated film has been really strong. We built built up our whole Pixar rewatch series up to Toy Story 4. Toy Story 4 really worked for you and I more than it did for some other people. I don't know yes. why it didn't work for some other yeah, people. Yeah, that's, that's one of the ones that's confused me. I mean, I understand why I'm in the minority about Parasite. That reasoning is because everyone else is dumb. But the Toy Story thing... I'm joking, of course. But the Toy Story thing, really, I don't understand. That that movie had no right to be as good and as emotional as it was able to pull off being. So, Toy Story 4, even that being said, still gets my bronze. It's going to yeah. get your silver yes, because Coco just made me cry. Gosh darn it. I know Toy Story 4 got me close. Maybe I teared up a little bit, but I, I actually cried earlier with the dumpling stuff and the mother-son stuff, you know, leading into Toy Story 4. But Coco, just straight up, oh, my God, I'm, I'm, I'm decimated. So Coco got my silver. We both had Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, though, as our gold. Yeah, I think rightfully so. It's one of the more unique. I mean, it's, it's as maybe revolutionary, maybe not as revolutionary as Pixar was when Pixar first came on the scene, but it's up there and the things that it was doing and the, what it did with cell shading and not only that, but also taking that property and kind of building it into its, what we think it might also build itself into Sony's spider world with Sp Sony having the Spider-Man property back too. And maybe there's going to be a link there down the future. They kind of laid the seeds for that. So uh, did a lot, a lot of interesting things. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse makes me want to collect action figures again. It makes me want to be, you know, 9 or 10 when I actually played with action figures. Or 14 or 15. Whatever you you'll believe. 28. Yeah, I know. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Uh, best Adapted Screenplay. Getting into our big eight now, I, I guess you'd say. All right. I had qualms with Black Klansman a couple years back in terms of some low points in that screenplay. The high points are high. And this, I had problems with the five bloods. High points are just so high. Spike Lee, I love him to death. I've loved his whole career. But the scene at the end of Black Klansman is just really bad. It really bothered me. And then there's a couple other sequences in there that bothered me. So Black Klansman's my did not meddle. It's, it's, a, it's a tough call. I think this entire category is a tough call. Uh, mm -hmm. and I did these off memory for the most part. Uh, and... I just remember all four of these being very, very fond of what they were able to do in their scripts. So it was kind of like picking hairs for me. Well, I'll tell you this. I did not know that they changed the story as much from Black Klansman, the movie, to the or from the audiobook. Because I listened to the audiobook this past year. It's one of the few audiobooks I did actually hit up. So they really did a lot. Kevin Willamette and Spike Lee did a lot to adapt that. So it was a high degree of difficulty project for them. Even still, I would just say some of the scenes fell flat for me. But I don't know. What, what, what do you got, Mike, here in terms of your four? Call me by your name. I put as my did not metal, even though I hate having to say that it didn't metal because I think it's fantastic, both on screen and on the page. Uh, Black Klansman, I did put as my blonde, my blonde. Black Klansman, I did put as my bronze. I put Moonlight as the silver, and we both have Jojo Rabbit as a gold. I have a feeling, if you ask me this, if we did the same Oscars time frame in like five years those two might flip for me moonlight might go up to number one and jojo rabbit number two but i do so love the jojo rabbit script so i've seen moonlight a couple times and it makes me very sad every time i watch it just like really you know just, just crushes my soul a it should bit. yeah and it should and it's just really tough to watch it's tough to watch naomi harris 
go off like yeah. that. It's tough to watch what happens in that movie, even though there are silver linings to it. Jojo Rabbit, it has some sadness to it, but it is so gosh darn rewatchable that it's become like a movie that I'm going to see double-digit times very soon, if I haven't already. I think you already have, yeah. It's the easiest movie to rewatch that I've come across in a while, really, since... I don't know. What's, uh, what was the last one? Uh, oh, Phantom Thread, Phantom perhaps. Thread. Yeah, they're very similar in <laughs> nature. <laughs> Same movie. All right, Jojo Rabbit gets my gold, too. Moonlight, my silver. And, and Call Me By Your Name edges in my bronze because that was such a sprawling story that they really pulled together. I haven't read the novel for that, or I haven't read the play for Moonlight, but uh, just in terms of you know screenplay structure, Moonlight doesn't really miss too many beats. Call Me By Your Name lags maybe once or twice, Jojo Rabbit, it just as a structure, just flows so well in terms of watchability. So that's where I'm at. I feel really bad about Call Me By Your Name because the audacity you have to pull off in having this this gay love story feature a scene in which yeah. one of the main characters has sex with a peach and have it be believable and like mm-hmm. kind of be a coming of age tale and not just totally ridiculous and not like delve into American Pie territory. <laughs> it's it's very impressive. So Black Klansman had a scene where they arrested a guy. Cops arrested a guy. That didn't seem believable to me. And Call Me By Your Name had a scene where a kid fucks a peach. That did seem believable <laughs> You're right. Exactly. That's, that ha- that's how I... You're probably right. I should probably switch those. That's how I rank mine. All right. Best original screenplay. This is a hoot. Okay. Green Book is both are did not meddle. Uh, I think we had huge issues with yeah. that storyline as well as some of it really works and as entertaining as that movie can be at times. Yeah, Green Book suffered more in these rankings for me than Parasite did, and it's for legitimate reasons. I mean, Parasite's more subjective reasons, but Green Book, I think, is more objective. Yeah, the Everything I've heard from Peter Farrelly in defense of that and what he thinks that script did and what that movie did, I, I just get more and more turned off by everything that isn't the performance of Mahershala Ali in that. Yeah, I'm with you, and we've gone 27 rounds on that. All right, otherwise, we have totally different rankings here, so I guess I'll start this one. Manchester by the Sea is my bronze. It's a tough call because that movie works somehow, even though they take... It's another one of these Oscar movies that is so sad, you never want to watch it again, right? Yeah. But it somehow (laughs) makes the saddest thing ever work in a story. And that's hard to do. That's a high degree of difficulty. Still, you know, I'd never want to see it again, so it is my bronze in this case. Get Out's my silver, and that's How a tough call. You? How dare you? It's a tough call in the sense that I really love the Get Out script. And the more you watch Get Out, the more you study it, the more you see how good yeah, it you is. you just wanted Parasite to be the overall winner. That's what this gold and silver differentiation is. Correct. But Thank also, God for heroes like me. But also, Parasite, to me, was such a polished structure last year. I said it from the beginning. It was the best screenplay of the year for me last year. Mike, if, my, <laughs> if your brain doesn't work like Mike One's, Parasite is a, is a perfect screenplay, just about. Oh, and it's, Jesus it's Christ. It's a perfect screenplay to me. I don't. Are you trying to get me it. mad? I don't get your issues with it. I just plain. I the poor screenplay, for one. The like, lack of giant pig pets for two. No, it's it, that's an Okja joke for those of you who may not have joined us before. Uh, Parasite is a fine movie for the first hour and a half. That's my stance on it. 
we have argued off mic, on mic for what a total of, I would say four and a half hours probably about the last thirty minutes of Parasite. You completely think it's preposterous, absurd, I, and absurd. I see no, I see no issues. Oh my gosh! So that this is like one of the few chasms. In the Mike, Mike, and Oscar debates, the well, all-time debates. It, it, it is, and it'll never get res- – I mean, we're never going to see eye to eye with it. We're, but uh, what I'm more surprised at, sincerely, is that you were more impressed by Parasite than Get Out. Get Out's my gold, and I think Get Out – I said it when we were in the year. I think Get Out should have won Best Picture that year, and I think history is going to have a really hard time looking back at something like Get Out and seeing that the Academy decided to pick Shape of Water over it for Best Picture. Well, I don't disagree with you about that. I thought his directorial job was a little stronger than Jordan Peele should have won director that year. I think, you know, I think it's a polished movie, The Shape of Water. But I, I love I love when you take these elements that shouldn't work together when you're dealing with satire and horror. Like, I mean, again, we both talk about degree of difficulty all the time. And Jordan Peele made things work that shouldn't work and get out. I guess you could say similar things for Guillermo del Toro. Fish, people, sex <laughs> probably shouldn't work. All right. It's, it's a tough call, but I think, uh, yeah, I do. I agree with you. Jordan Peele, uh, to me, I never understood the runaway factor of Guillermo del Toro. Just based yeah. the, basing that on merits. Jordan Peele was a newcomer. Maybe that's the thing at the end of the day. All right. Too long on our original screenplay. Supporting actress, I think, is fairly easy, and we both have the same four, Michael. Yeah, we have uh, Viola Davis from Fences, She is the Gold. Allison Janney from I, Tanya, She is Our Silver. Regina King from If Beale Street Could Talk is the Bronze winner. And Laura Dern from Marriage Story does not meddle. And if you listen to us at all in the run-up to this year's Oscars, we love Laura Dern. We're big fans of hers, but this was not the the performance that we thought Laura Dern should have gotten her first Oscar for. She's not really an impact player in this script. I agree with you, and I, that was an easy omission. The top three was where it was a little tricky. I don't think it was tricky at number one. Viola yeah, Davis should have been best lead actress. Yep, and she should have won it too. So th- that was an easy one for Fences. Allison Janney had the, the kookier performance. Regina King had the emotional performance. I think we both say that uh, Lavana Golden was so unique for Janney, especially you know looking at her entire career. And if you want to talk about somebody, an actress getting lost in the character and becoming True. the character, uh, I think Janie really did that. Yeah, I mean, if you think about her on The West Wing and you think about her in that role, my goodness. Right. All right, supporting actor was a frustrating category for me because you have different screen time numbers for all four of these guys. It's really bothersome. I have Mahershala from Moonlight as my did not meddle. I didn't want to oh, double wow. him here. I just think his part is so short. It is. In Moonlight. It is. He doesn't have like the, and I like the over the top performances when they pull it off. Just like Al Pacino says, if you can hit the note, hit the note. And (laughs) some people can, you know, sing, or what does he say? If you can hit the note, sing loud. (laughs) Mahershala sings loud and he hits the notes in Green Book. In Moonlight, it's a much more subtle performance. Much more subtle. I agree. Look, Sam Rockwell hits some loud notes. In, in Three Billboards. Again, another movie I've watched a billion times for some reason. That's my bronze. We have totally different rankings here for the silver and bronze. Brad Pitt 
gets my silver. Again, another movie I'm obsessed with, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Brad Pitt is much better than you'd think possible in that movie. He was a runaway for good reason last year. And I think in terms of his charm, it's just underrated when a comedic performance plays as well. Uh, also, so I think Brad Pitt is is fixed in my silver. Mahershala Ali is both of our gold medalist uh, picks here for Green Book. I mean, it's again, it's like a lead performance, and compared to his Moonlight performance, you know, you can fit ten of his Moonlight performances in, in in his Green Book performance in terms of screen time. Yeah, and that just goes to how impactful he was in, in Moonlight in that short amount of time on screen. Mm-hmm. For me, I broke it down a little differently. Pitt is more memorable in that performance in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood than Rockwell was for Three Billboards. And I, I, I can see people feeling the other way. That's just my take on it. Uh, and maybe that's the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood bias. I don't think it is because if I was going to be biased about Brad Pitt, I would have him higher than my bronze. But I think Pitt doing what he did in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is the same kind of trait that I hold against Emma Stone's performance in La La Land in that they're just really, for the most part, playing amplified versions of themselves. And you can't say that about Mahershala Ali in either Moonlight or Green Book. I thought you just wanted to put Pitt in the bronze category because when he takes his shirt off... Because he's an Adonis. He is just pure bronze. <laughs> he's a bronze statue. Yeah, that You've been too. dad joking like crazy lately, and I'm he surprised you didn't bounce a that. quarter off those butt cheeks and send it into <laughs> orbit. Yeah, no. So Pitt... It, it, it's, it's for that reason. It's Pitt is doing a really good job. Yes, he was a runaway for a reason. Yes, he deserved the Oscar. But... A lot of times, actors win Oscars when they're playing, when they're able to find a script that lets them play an amplified version of themselves, if they're not going to completely play someone else in a biopic. So I, I think that works. It's the same thing I'm going to bring up again when we talk about Emma Stone and La La Land. Uh, Mahershala are the only two performances left, and Green Book, his performance in Green Book to me is more impactful and more uh, memorable than what he did in Moonlight, but I still think Moonlight is a legendary supporting actor performance and Mahershala Ali performance in the same. So Green Book Mahershala is my gold. Moonlight Mahershala is my silver. Brad Pitt, my bronze, because he's a bronze statue of a goddess and a man and a uh, did not medal as Sam Rockwell for me. There you go. All right. Best actor is easier, I would say. Like, to me, Casey Affleck doesn't go for it as much as these other three guys. And I liked the Casey Affleck performance. I didn't think it should have won. I was all Denzel that year. Yeah. But Me too. I, I do think it's a well it's a well done performance. Of course it is. I mean, it for is. him to carry that movie and make that scene, you know, that uh, scenario believable, uh, you give him a lot of credit. Rami Malek, I mean, the mimicry is so on point, and he's got some big moments. He does get my bronze. I, you know. I could I could see your argument though. You have it the opposite way there. Yeah, he's just like cartoonish sometimes. In Casey Affleck, it's the last thing you could say about that performance is that he's cartoonish. Well, I like when I like when popular movies win awards too at the, at this show. I think we can get I think we can get that, bogged yeah, down sure. in sad movies yeah, winning okay. all the time. I understand that, but that hasn't certainly not been an issue the last couple years. That no. popular movies haven't have been shunned out of the Oscars. I mean, that's I, been fixing itself. I think when you're ran- like a subtle performance going against Rami Malek to me, I can go for Rami Malek when I compare those two. If it was the Denzel performance where it's a huge performance, there's no way. Yeah, Denzel's I'm better than both those. So I'm not just saying the serious movies should not win, but 
I like when the loud performance from a musical biopic really works. You're going to see in a second when it doesn't work for me uh, in the next category. So that's where I'm at. But all right, Gary Oldman is both our silver medal winners here from Darkest Hour. And Joaquin Phoenix. My goodness, Mike. When we started the Joker character study back last fall, did you ever think that Joaquin Phoenix would be the gold medal winner of the 23rd Olympiad of the <laughs> Oscar Olympics at Mike, Mike, and Oscar? Uh, no, <laughs> I did not, considering that we just came up with this concept. Or you just put it together recently. Uh, but I think that speaks more to uh, at least the differentiation between him and Oldman's performance. For me, it was more a credit to Joaquin than it is against anything Gary Oldman did. And I'm just going to throw this out there. In terms of, you know, Olympiads, this might be one of the weakest best actor foursomes that we've had in a while. I don't think I had any of these guys as my number one performances of the year. Right. Neither did I. Not even. uh, Yeah. I agree with you. All right. Best actress. Mike, we both have the same three, uh, fours and threes. So did not meddle is Renee Zellweger. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. Look, she puts out a good performance. It's a fine fine performance and it's a fine movie. It's not an Oscars either. Yeah, but she can't sing like Judy Garland. It just keeps coming back to that for me. And, you know, if I'm really just weighing, if I have a rubric and I'm, I'm weighing factors, like if she could sing like Judy Garland or if they're able to use Judy Garland's actual voice to blow me away with the musical numbers, then I'm sold. Because the rest of it is, is really effing good. She is the entire movie of Judy, right? Right. Okay. That being said, how much money would somebody need to pay you to ever watch Judy again? Well, I did rewatch it when it came out on video. Okay, I'm talking about right now, July of 2020. How much money, with all the movie and media around you, even in quarantine, what's the dollar amount you would need to be paid to be interested in watching Judy? Mike, I have uh, been a professional man for certain years in my life uh, at this point. I am not a hard sell. I'm not uh, I'm not a prideful business man. I will do a lot for a very small amount of money. But we're watching Judy. Like, I will watch Judy. I don't have the same problem with Judy as you do. I will watch it again tomorrow. I mean, if I feel like. I I guess my point, like, it's what I'm saying. I keep saying the same thing different ways. It's fine. It's fine. Oscars should be better than fine. Right. Uh, Emma Stone, La La Land is my bronze. Again, I already kind of covered why, talking about Brad Pitt. I have no problem with the performance. I just don't know that she was doing all that much that was like oh my god look at emma stone lose herself in this character which isn't really shouldn't be held against her for any reason i think it was a fine win i think i didn't really have a problem with her winning the uh lead actress award other than i don't think it was like an all-timer performance yeah you just gave brad pitt a bronze medalist right. uh, bronze medal for being his best self version right. in a movie so we just both gave emma stone for being the best emma stone she's ever been in uh, la la land right. I, i'm not against that i could see your rationale there where we differ is the silver and gold here's where i wonder if a grudge oh yeah is coming a thousand percent to the four a thousand percent bias on my ranking here i can't i mean glenn close should have won best actress that year high academy queens how you doing uh she should have won best actress that year olivia coleman did olivia coleman's really really good in the favorite like she was yeah. never a consideration for anything lower than silver on this ranking with these four, four performances but i really thought 
Frances McDormand should have won her year, or at least was part of what should have been and what I hope will be remembered as one of the greatest three-headed lead actress races of all time between her, Margot Robbie, and Saoirse Ronan, who was in Lady Bird, Margot Robbie, for her I, Tanya performance. But I, I really respect that class. I had no problem with Frances McDormand winning. I had a problem with Olivia Colman winning. Francis McDormand is my gold and Olivia Colman is my silver. So let me first say that I think both Francis McDormand and Olivia Colman performances are top tier. And I really think you're splitting hairs yes, when I agree. you compare them. So I, I don't want to disagree with you here. Well, and, and like I, I have, needed a reason to pick one over the other, yeah, you know? I'm, uh, but I'm trying to poke the bear. And I'm trying to put the match in the shoe that, you know, the old <laughs> baseball players used to do to one another to just get a rise out of people. I'm trying to do that. So I have to dive into this one a little more. Yeah, I mean, Francis McDormand's my silver. Olivia Coleman's my gold. Who cares? What we really want to know <laughs> is why is this why is this grudge festered with you so much in terms of Glenn Close not winning that Oscar, because I would also argue that you could consider Olivia Colman and Glenn Close on that top tier. Was it the indie spirits, Mike? Was it the Glenn Close dress? Was it the fact that Glenn Close is from Connecticut? Was it the <laughs> fact that she, you know she was the subject of one of our first retrospectives on the podcast? Why the Glenn Close love to this extent? Years later, this is two years later from 2018, and you're still harboring. I botched that word. (laughs) Harboring resentment. Harboring resentment. Because it felt like my grandmother had to sit there and like watch her dog get murdered in front of her and keep a smile on her face and clap. She was embarrassed on this grand stage. And the person who won in place of her didn't even have the decency to stay sober in the moment. No dog was murdered here, Michael. Olivia Coleman gets up there, oh my god, I'm so drunk, and look how charming I am. Meanwhile, Glenn Close shows up like an Oscar statue, finally going to get this win, culminating this decades-long career that's long overdue. Olivia Coleman's going to have plenty more chances. I think the fact that a, let's just say, buzzed Olivia Coleman is charming on stage should be... (laughs) irrelevant at this day that's what it goes back to that's literally what comes first to my mind about this i just feel so bad for glenn close you think she's dunking on glenn close for not caring as much when glenn close cared so much i think not that she's purposefully doing anything against glenn close but she you could tell the moment meant so much to glenn close like let's say if francis mcdormand won and yeah, I'd probably be more okay with and it. And then gave that huge, serious yeah. speech that just shook up the industry. Right. Then you're okay with yes. it. Because, exactly. But because, you know, Olivia Coleman gets there and <laughs> yes. just goes, la da da yeah. make everybody laugh. <laughs> exactly. That is what gets to you. Yes. It, bu- it bugs the shit out of me. <laughs> I'm not, I'm a th- yes, we got to the bottom of it. That's it. That is it, finally. <laughs> it's the speech. It, the speech got to you the most. Okay. Best director. Again, we have some. She had any decency. She would have handed the fucking statue over to Glenn Close, who was sitting in the front row anyway, I think. Again, I think you're exaggerating. Just a tid. Uh, Now I'm just uh, angry. (laughs) Let's move on to best director. We're winding down here. Guillermo del Toro is my did not meddle, and your bias comes to the fore again. (laughs) With your did not. Metal. These but, are okay. These are two best picture winners as well that I just don't. 
I, I have respect for them because they're very professionally done, and again, they're fine movies, and they're probably both. I you know I, I know they're both memorable, but for me, I'm, in my bias, they're probably both still memorable to me, uh, and I'll probably will end up watching them again at some point in the future. But I I I guess working in a fantasy about having sex with the creature from the Black Lagoon in your own bathtub. Is, has a higher degree of difficulty than whatever the hell it is Bong Joon-ho tried to pull off in the, at the end of Act 2 and the beginning of Act 3 in that movie, so that's my differentiation. Again, framing the comparison in such a way, that's it's how I hard do to it. argue with you. <laughs> well, fucking a fish in a bathtub versus whatever the hell else. What was more difficult about that script and having it come to life than the sex scene where they fucking turn into Broadway stars. This is preposterous. Neither of these movies should have won. I'm, I'm, this is rage. This is just seething. You've uncapped something in me. All right. Well, disagree about the parasite <laughs> line. Just Let's just leave it there because it's never going to be soft. Like I said, we can try and build an Indiana Jones-style bridge between this chasm uh, in terms of an argument, we've tried to do this before and failed miserably. Again, on mic and off mic, it's never going to happen. You're going to hate Parasite forever. I'm going to love it forever. It's like the end of the Dark Knight. Okay. We have very different top threes, though, because Alfonso Corona is your gold medalist, and, and he's my bronze medalist. Why did you pick him for gold? I think it's more to do... Well, it's a combination probably of two things. One... I'm not crazy about La La Land, and I think Damien Chazelle had such a higher degree of difficulty in what he did with First Man that I almost hold that in higher regard than what he pulled off in La La Land, even though I do like La La Land. I have nothing against it. I don't, I'm not as overhyped as a lot of people seem to be about it, but I do like what he did. But I think Quaron telling his story, you could tell it was so personal, obviously. And it was such a minimalist story to tell. It's in another language, which I know is also a feather in Parasite's caps, but it really did translate well to American audiences, and they seemed to grasp onto it and be appreciative of it. It was the retelling of this guy's life story. I, I think I just took those things into consideration. So I think director, best director should always be like a composition award. And that's how that's kind of was my rubric on this. Guillermo del Toro, there's some clunky moments in that composition, you know, when sex is had with a fish and whatnot. (laughs) But all right, Alfonso Caron's Roma, like that movie lags at times for me. So that was an easy bronze. So I'm just, I'm, well, I, I get it again. I'm not trying to poke the bear here. To me, the compositions of Parasite and La La Land were top-notch because I didn't have the problem with the end of Parasite. So composition-wise, I'm kind of choosing between apples and oranges here. It's it's really not the same you know, world in, in, in taking an uh, action drama like Parasite or a thriller like Parasite and a musical like La La Land. You know what I, I think guess- it is, too, for me, Mike? Like right. hearing hearing you talk about that has just kind of jiggled this freak. I think when it comes to best director rankings, I also think have I seen this person be better elsewhere? And if they were, why? And I don't know that I've seen Quaron better than what he did in Roma, considering the tools he had at his disposal there. I know I've seen Chazelle better. I know I've seen Bong Joon Ho better. That's Children kind of, of Men. Well, Children of Men's pretty good. Yeah, it is. It's up there. Coron's been really good before, but he hasn't been like that. He hasn't told a personal story like that. He hasn't taken the from arm's length style of directing with the wide master shots like that. But again, I give that credit to like 
the cinematography right. of it. I give Parasite more credit for the uh, for the screenplay. I would say. And I give, I'm giving La La Land credit here. So Damien Chazelle gets my gold. Bong Joon-ho gets my silver. Cuaron, my bronze. Del Toro doesn't medal for me. But I'm basically I'm giving Chazelle perhaps too much credit for the overall composition where he's using all these production values that have meddled throughout this uh, presentation today. So maybe I'm wrong there. And I should give Parasite another gold, but I'm not going to do that to you. I'm not going to change my... <laughs> if- if, if not going to take that bait for once. If Emma Stone is a given in La La Land, okay, yeah. if she was casted there and she's going to play the Emma Stone role, and I think she was perfectly casted, could is there another actor that could have done what Ryan Gosling did? Well, Ryan Gosling is replaceable. I would say. In I La would La say Land? he is in La La Land. He is more replaceable than anything else. I don't know if you get. Emma, someone else doing Emma Stone. I, I don't think so either. I, I, that's why I said I think Emma Stone has to be a given for this exercise because I think that that character seemed to be written as Emma Stone. But if you put, you know, what's his name? Hemsworth. Put, put a Hemsworth in the Ryan Gosling role. It's not as good, but, you know, maybe one of the Hemsworths could do it. I don't mm. know. It's an interesting exercise. There's more tall blonde actors right there, than <laughs> right. there are short redhead with you you know humongous doe eyes you know, well now that we've minimalized everybody in a power position in hollywood i should not rush descriptions or maybe i should because i say the darndest things like a freaking four-year-old anyway we need to move on to best picture where were you going with that rant about La La Land? I was just asking your opinion. It's just something that came to me. I was just uh, wondering because La La Land is not in the best picture category despite the uh, best efforts of Warren Beatty. And, uh, who, <laughs> Faye Dunaway. Faye Dunaway. I'm sorry. Yeah. I forgot her name there for a moment. All right. Best picture. Let's get through this quick because we really don't want an argument here. It's, just... it's obvious. I mean, we, we, this is, we know where it's building to. I, I still... The biggest problems, all my problems with Parasite are subjective. All my problems with Green Book, I think, are objective. So I put Green Book in my did not medal. It's yours as well. Parasite, right. therefore, is my bronze, which means Shape of Water is my silver. Moonlight is my gold. Uh, Moonlight also is the only one of, I think it's the picture of those four. I had the least issues with as well. So it works out. Yeah, you're not happy with the best picture no, winners of the last four years. And neither am I, for the record. But... You know, Green Book uh, is, is something I share there that did not medal category, and, you know, we've been over it. Shape of Water, I wish I didn't have to give it a, a bronze in, in this regard, but I don't hate the Shape of Water, let's just say. I, I respect the hell out of Moonlight. I respect the hell out of Parasite. That is a tough call. Genuinely, that is a tough call because I think they're both top-tier films. I just think Parasite's more rewatchable and I remember it better, and I, I give more credit, I think, to the cinematography of Moonlight, perhaps, where I think that was such a standout. I, I have a few, you know, issues with the Moonlight script at the end of the day. It's more of a thing where I just, I wish it didn't have to go that way. I wish it was happier and wasn't so sad. Those are kind of my, like, when I really examine my issues with Moonlight, that's kind of where I land. It wasn't happy enough, but maybe that's a me problem. So Parasite... Having a happier middle, perhaps, I'm going with Parasite as my gold. 
All right. Which you, I think you have to hate that argument the most well, of any argument I've ever made. It's it, it, it's a, I, I try to block out when you're giving Parasite any more admonishes and and being happy about <laughs> it and praising it because if I listen too much, I just go off the deep end. I'm not proud of that argument. I'm trying to I'm trying to you know split hairs between two great movies in my opinion. The happier one was the one I picked. That's not true at all. I have to go back. It wasn't happier, but they had a happier middle is what I'm trying to say. Moonlight actually has a happier ending. I agree. I'm such a dick. I, I can't, I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to basically say they're both great, but I picked one over the other. I should just fucking lean into it and say Parasite's a better movie. All right, it is. I like thrillers more than I like romances. All right, there, boom. Parasite's better. I think at the time I wanted Manchester by the Sea to beat Moonlight. Uh, I thought it was better than La La Land 2. As time has gone on, I... I'm almost ashamed of that opinion for a litany of reasons, but uh, a lot of them objective as well. But we won't get into it. I think as time goes on, I will remember Moonlight as a very strong winner, uh, right. most fondly. And I think it was looking back at that class with the fences, Hell or High Water, La La Land. I, I think it was probably the the right winner and the one that most deserved it to me. I, I can't argue with you. I think it's a top tier film of any year, and. Moonlight Parasite makes this foursome, you know, worthwhile and worth talking about. And I do think that's a good debate for most sane podcasters. <laughs> you, I don't think, are sane. Oh, we could have other... it. We could have it if you want. We could easily have it and then never speak again. But I don't think it's an. E- I don't think it's an obvious debate for us, or I don't think it's a worthwhile debate for us because you hate Parasite. But most people love both of those movies, so yeah. that's where. That's where we want to hear from you folks. I know we're going to make a shout-out at the very end of this, but, like, which is better? I mean, I think that's a tough debate, Moonlight and Parasite, for most of film Twitter. There's plenty of people out there that I think would be willing to have that debate with you, and hopefully they're listening right now and they're willing to uh, chime in, and that's something uh, you can interact with them on our social medias about. As we start to wrap up here, Michael, let's talk about who did best here, and let's talk about the medal count. All right. Uh, in terms, I'll go, I'll go through fast. I had La La Land with three bronzes. Everybody, everything else had one. My silvers, I had Moonlight, Roma, Hollywood, Coco with two apiece. My golds, I had Parasite with three, La La Land with two, Blade Runner with two. All right. My overall medal tallies. I had La La Land winning five medals. Parasite, four. Roma, three. Black Panther, three. A bunch more with two. So we're going to get into some weighted stats in a second. Mike, you want to go over your kind of overall tally? Yeah, my La, uh, La La Land had the most medals for me as well with five, but of those, it didn't win any gold and it did not medal once. I had four movies with three medals each. Three of them have a gold to their name. Roma, which had two golds. Moonlight, which has one gold. Black Panther, which has one gold. The other uh, three medal winning film was Parasite, which had three bronzes for me and one did not medal because I am a dick. I'll let you say it. All right, <laughs> Mike, I did do some weighted, you know, stats here and some weighted uh, standings, let's just say. Number one, if you kind of just make all categories equal and give three points for every gold, two points for every silver, one point for every bronze, you know, you can have a scoreboard here. So in that scoreboard, Parasites wins for me. La La Land's in second, Black Panther and Blade Runner, go figure, again, it won two golds for me, is, is tied for third. For you, if you go by those points, again, all medals being, or all categories being equal, La La Land wins for you by a nose against Roma and Moonlight with seven points. Now, if we combine them, 
La La Land picked up so much on the undercard. Again, all categories being equal. 17 points in number one, in the number one spot. Parasites in number two. Roma and Black Panther are three and four. Uh, Moonlight's tied for four. Now, if we took these categories and we weighted them, meaning you add a half a point for every uh, gold medal in a big six category, quarter of a point uh, for a silver and a, a tenth of a point for a bronze. I don't know if I weighted them enough to change anything because nothing changed, mm-hmm. bottom line. But our top five combined, La La Land's number one, Parasite's number two, Roma's third, Moonlight's fourth, Black Panther, and Blade Runner are tied for fifth in terms of our point tallies if we had that cockamamie point system. But it's strange that La La Land is the greatest fake Best Picture winner ever, and it won (laughs) our Oscar Olympics by these stupid point totals. It's shocking to me to see that my rankings were taken into account. La La Land had zero golds for me, and it wins number one overall in pretty much a landslide by either whether you're going by weighted or just the regular, and Parasite still hold on, held on for number two. Yeah, Parasite, based on my points. Like oh, you sure, only ob- yeah, obviously, points. like you're, yeah. you're, yours played a huge factor in them being there. So if it was like preferential balloting, which is probably why we shouldn't go with preferential balloting overall <laughs> at the Academy, like, you know, you have these weighted and these averaged, you know, winners – that would be the wrong winner, I would say, for this Oscar Olympiad. I would think, you know, I know that Olympics, it's not always the, the medal count that's what's important. But I would say I would rather have a polarizing film win than kind of a a movie that everybody kind of likes a lot. Yeah, I, I agree. I, we may have to tinker with this uh, this weighted system at the end here because it's a really interesting concept. And mm-hmm. it, it doesn't, how many goals did you end up giving La La Land? I don't have it in front of me. Two golds and three bronzes, no silvers. And I, I gave it three. You know, it had no, so two golds, three silver. I gave it three silvers. I gave it two bronzes. You gave it two bronzes. Wow. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Well, the La La Land is crowned. They stepped at the highest pedestal as the number one overall movie for the first Oscar Olympics. Did I say it right? Yes, you did. Good. The, hey, the I, lack I, of plural. We're Mike. We're not Mike. Mike and Oscars. We're Mike. Mike and Oscars. We, so that's if we my were rationale. Mike. Mike and Oscars, do you know how many headaches we could have avoided at this point with how many people ask where Oscar is and where's the third guy? That's true. Also, SEO would be easier. Yeah. But, this is the stupidest thing we've ever done. But now it's way too late. <laughs> but we can't get sued now by the actual Academy Awards. That's true. Cool. I think that's why we did it. As a matter of fact, <laughs> you being a lawyer, I remember having that part of the conversation. But there it is. It's all laid out there, folks. All our biases just laid bare today. All our st- all our stupid ar- like I-, I think I made a lot of stupid arguments today as well as I made some good ones. So Well, I mean you're dealing with the cream of the crop and you're splitting hairs by yeah. nothing but bias and subjectivity. It's really tough to come up with these, but I think that's why we want to hear from everybody else because the interest, the intrigue for us is how would the listeners and how do other people split and rank these different categories and why do they have one over the other? What is their rationale? Right. And do they recognize that 
that their reasoning is weak or per- filled with bias or just because they don't like something or blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I, I think that'd be very, very cool to hear. And so we, that's why we did this first and foremost. We do want to hear those from you. And you can leave us those in a tweet, in a message, in a post. Uh, we are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter. That's where we want to hear from you. Uh, you can also contact us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts. If you are still quarantining with us, if, look, if you still have time, downtime right now in quarantine, I think this is a fun practice, absolutely, especially if you're a film junkie uh, like we are. And this is kind of the reason that we uh, thought of it in the first place. So totally. uh, we want to hear from you. Give us those rankings. Let us know what you're doing. And if we manage to entertain you at all in quarantine, if you would be so kind as to go on the Apple Podcast app and please leave us a five-star review, that would make our day as well. Michael, tell the fine people what is coming next from MMO and let's end on some words of wisdom. Well, actually, you mentioned the words of wisdom I had written down. You know, communicate with us your picks for the Oscar Olympics. I think that is yeah. fun. It's easy. You know, you don't have to send us every category, but you can. Like, you could, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and we will be happy to debate you. And, and if I make as dumb of an argument as I made for some of my picks today, because, <laughs> you know, we didn't want to write everything down in terms of takes, and then it would have you know, been awkward. So we just kind of went off the cuff in terms of our top fours today. And I said, I like it better because it's happy. A couple times. I said it that a couple times. So make fun of me and actually make your case much more articulately. And uh, we'll have fun reading those and shouting them out on a future MMOW, a future Oscar race checkpoint. We want to get back to our news and variety shows and those formats coming up. We may even have to do like a what we're watching episode because we've both watched a million things. Yeah, and we may, you know, we kind of, you know, those reviews are helpful to folks out there. I, I think, I hope, and they're fun to do. So we may do one of those. We got the uh, James Bond character study. We've been kind of talking about the Grudge List. We've been kind of talking about the Fincher Files as some series that we may start up at some point. Guys, let us know what you think of those. Let us know what you want us to do in terms of a more of a long-form series. Let us know if you want more Oscar Olympics because we can keep going back in time doing these as retrospectives. So we want to hear from you as just an overall thesis statement to this ending. Uh, that's, that's for sure. Let us know. Somebody said they, they're waiting on the David Lynch rewatch series from us. Oh, that's uh, right. Past week. And that was one of the in-session film guys, though. Oh, was it? Okay. So yeah, when they the were, world finally does burn, like, they we have yeah. mere days left to live. <laughs> Mike, they know what goes into a rewatch series. Can you imagine <laughs> if you had to rewatch all of David Lynch? They could, like they're almost poking the bear with us in that regard. But you know, it'd be fun. It'd be a fun listen. I don't know if we'd come out of it at the other side. You know, sane at all. We either have all the answers to the universe or absolutely none of them. No in between no. whatsoever. We're the end of Scream 4 at the end of that. <laughs> Sorry. Guys, when reality sucks, you can come to the Olympic trials with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you very soon. See ya. See ya.